Hello, and welcome to this brand spanking new episode of a, a brand spanking new podcast show. I'll, I'll stop saying spanking now. Um, brought to you by the industry-leading, purpose-driven, sustainable business media brand that is Edie. Uh, you're listening to the voice of Edie's content director, Luke Nichols. I'm joined here in our fancy, or I should say fancy new headquarters, but there's still building work going on, as you might be able to hear. Um, firstly, by our trusty content editor, uh, Matt Mace. Say hello, Matt. Hello. And uh, our Laura Koonsberg clone, that is a senior reporter, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Luke. Please never say those words again. <laughs> <laughs> is that a compliment? <laughs> so, um, COP26 covered is, as you might have guessed, all about COP26. Uh, over 190 world leaders are descending on Glasgow next week, along with uh, a small city's worth of, of diplomats, business leaders, and climate activists for two weeks of crucial climate talks and hopefully some commitments. And Edie will be reporting from the heart of the summit with daily roundups, exclusive interviews, listener quizzes and so much more right here every day on the COP26 Covered podcast. So let's get started. Okay, yes, so hello and welcome along to episode one of COP26 Covered, uh, the preview episode. Um, I suppose this episode could be titled The Calm Before the Storm, uh, because we're all very much in preparation mode now ahead of COP, which officially begins on Sunday. Um, Matt, hello. First of all, actually, Matt, explain where we are and uh, how we've arrived at this point physically. Um, okay, well, we are in a uh, podcast studio, um, for lack of a better term. As you mentioned, the the office refurb is still going ahead. You can kind of hear the the hammers and the um, the drills in the background going on. Um, but our our office has essentially been kind of refurbed to account for a more creative in, environment. Uh, so there's much more kind of uh, meeting rooms to be able to put on these type of podcasts. And um, if it, you know, I think it makes sense to to have a podcast episode back in the office before we head off to Glasgow mm. uh, for for COP26 anyway. So yeah, we've all kind of uh, met up uh, ahead. You know, what we a couple of days out now mm. to. Uh, so yeah, to, to get this new podcast up and running. Mm. Yeah, I think the the company's terming these things as huddles now. We're having a we're having a huddle in one of the corners of the office. Um, Sarah, uh, Matt just mentioned we're going to be heading up to COP on Saturday. We're getting a climate train, which we should actually mention probably later on in the episode. Um, are you ready to share an Airbnb with with two guys? It's going to be like being back at uni, isn't it? I have been thinking about this. I think I'm fine with Matt in that he supports the same football team as my other half, but for Luke, who supports a different team, I think I'm going to be needing a bit of a glossary. Right, yeah. I was looking at the pictures again of the Airbnb and suddenly realising this might be one of those where the pictures make it look a lot bigger than it is. So I feel like for the next week at least, we're going to be quite on top of each other. Um, they can be quite sneaky as well with the photos. I know, we, this um, is it. We, we stayed at one recently where one of the... Of the number of beds advertised, two of them were bunk beds, which uh, <laughs> was not in the small print. So hopefully that's not the situation. Honestly, oh, I'm going to say it now: shotgun top bunk. Um, I had a sofa. <laughs> you just leave me with the cot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this episode of COP26 Covered is going to be a bit different to the rest of the series, I should say. Um, 
which will officially commence on Saturday. Saturday afternoon, we'll be putting an episode out. Um, it's different in that we don't have any guests, and I just realised when I said that this was a preview episode that this actually probably means it's the most that we're going to be chatting together in, in a single episode of the show. So it's just us having a bit of a chat about what's going on. Um, you can sort of hear the listeners dropping off like flies already when they hear that. But perhaps to make it a bit less dry sounding than that, uh, I thought I'd start with a game. Matt loves games. I bought some. I did bring some celebrations as well, so um, I don't really know how that will implement into this game. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. Um, the game is good cop, bad cop. Count how many times you hear that pun used over the next two weeks. And don't worry, Matt, we're not about to interrogate you. Uh, but instead, I wanted to get each of us to answer what would make a good cop 26 and what would make a bad cop 26. So essentially what will constitute a successful summit, what will make it a failure. Um, probably more from a summit perspective than a personal failure perspective I mean it was interesting to note that Prime Minister Boris Johnson himself said on Monday that it was touch and go whether this conference will secure the agreement needed to tackle climate change it's just to quote him it's going to be very very tough this summit I won't put his voice on but I'm very worried because it might go wrong we might not get the agreements that we need and it is touch and go it's very very difficult but I think it can be done um, so he thinks it can be done that doesn't sound too um, optimistic Sarah, let's start with you. Uh, good cop, bad cop, where do you want to start? Um, I guess I'll start with the good cop. Um, so essentially ahead of COP26, G20 meeting is taking place and I feel like something really important to build a good cop um, would be to get a more unified tone from that group because at the moment there has been some quite mixed messaging Mm. Um, coming out and I also wanted to defer in my definition to the expertise of Bridget Jackson um, the COP26 unit's business engagement lead who was at our recent Leaders Club members event um, who essentially said that the difference between a good and bad COP has a lot to do with the nuance in the narrative um, there's a lot to be done in convincing the general public in the UK that this will work for them most people still don't properly understand what the summit is um, people are arguing about whether the heat and building strategy will mean people literally coming into their home, breaking in and ripping out their boilers. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's clear that people do care about the environment and don't like inaction. Um, if you look at Environment Bill Twitter at the moment, it's um, it's sort of if you didn't laugh, you'd cry um, <laughs> situation. So those two things for me are the difference between a good and bad cop, among various other things. But in the interest of time, that's what <laughs> I picked. Okay. Matt? Uh, I think for me, um, and I'm, I'm probably diving into one aspect of what would make it successful, I think, I think one thing that's going to be absolutely crucial to, to the success of COP is going to be negotiations around Article 6. Mm. I think we're at the point now, I, I, read, I read last night, uh, we're now technically at three quarters of the, uh, of the world via GDP now covered by net zero targets. Um, the ambition and the appetite's clear there, the, the finance and the, the mechanisms to get there or not. And I think Article 6 um, is, is just crucial to setting up carbon markets and low carbon markets and basically funneling all of um, this money that even through you know, the narrative of the green recovery hasn't been funneled into low carbon markets or, or climate adaptation markets. Uh, I think we now need to see this kind of dial shift happen from um, these kind of nice words and rhetorics and build back betters and, and mantras into uh, mechanisms that allow to do that. So I think in the real kind of uh, nitty gritty of the 
negotiations that are going on, Article 6 um, will probably uh, kind of outline how successful COP is and will either kind of uh, help or hinder other key aspects of, of the agreement as well. Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, I was kind of thinking about this contextually before we had this chat and just generally over the last couple of weeks. It's, I think, comparing this obviously to, to COP21, Paris Agreement um, COP, back in 2015. We were we were both still here working on ED, weren't we, back in 2015? That was my yeah, first, first year. First, yeah, first year. Yeah, my second so. year. Sarah then joined a couple of years later. Anyway, not excluding you, Sarah, but I guess um, the difference was that that was really about the what, wasn't it? It was about what are we actually coming up with, what can we commit, um, which you could argue is the easier of two steps. You'd think in business, I mean, it's often like that with us, isn't it? We'll we might come up with a you know new plan for a bit of content or something and it's quite easy laying that plan out but then actually how we're necessarily going to deliver it is where it can get quite complicated and this cop obviously is all about the how so i guess you've you've both touched on some of the things that i would have i would have covered in my good cop bad cop i think for me a good cop will be one where we come out with a clear sense of direction a very general point but across those key pillars of COP26 across energy, Matt mentioned already, transport, adaptation um, I think on the adaptation point and loss and damage, I think funding for loss and damage is, is going to be really critical we've mm-hmm. seen obviously the last couple of years just the extent of, of, of loss and damage that extreme weather events are happening so that for me will be one of the hinge points, if that's a word of uh, what makes a successful COP um, the other is the obvious um, climate finance um, for the developing world. There's this 100 billion figure, I think, first conceptualised in 2009 and then brought up to the fore a few years ago. 100 billion a year meant to be poured from developed nations into developing nations by 2020. We're not at that figure. Um, so I think if we could come out of COP26 with a commitment or an agreement or at least some level of just clarity over where the money is coming from and where it's going into the developing world. And how it's provided as well. I mean, I mm. think of the money provided so far, of which I think there's like a, almost like a $40 billion gap, the majority is still not grants, which was the intended aspect of that mechanism, but rather loans are going to have to be repaid by said developing countries. So, um, yeah, where, where the money comes from, how it's shared what it's used for, mm. a lot of big questions. Mm. Yeah, the finance aspect is perhaps bigger than any COP we've had previously. Oh yeah, I mean, and I think it's it's a good and a bad thing. It's bad that it's taken so long to have that conversation, but you know, if we had done this podcast three or four years ago, finance, you know, wasn't really even at the table. You know, if you look at certainly in a corporate world, the banks and whatnot mm. weren't really focusing on this. So that that dial has started to shift at least. Mm. Okay, so um, before we segue into the the next part of this episode, um, it's time for uh, what I'm going to say is our first official uh, show feature. Uh, you could argue, I suppose, the good cop, bad cop was a feature in itself, but um, this one should be a bit more helpful to listeners, and it is our COP26 action tracker. Uh, so loyal ED followers among you will be aware of our action tracker. It's a, a written editorial series which Sarah's been producing bi-weekly in the run-up to COP. In it, we essentially round up the key facts, stats and headlines related to COP uh, and climate action generally, which you need to know. Because if you're anything like me, you want to be going to this COP uh, or following it armed with all of the key info and facts that you 
ensure you don't get caught off guard in any discussions um, but it is quite easy to do that because uh, there's a lot of announcements being made so we try and make that easy easy for you with the cop 26 action tracker and today we're bringing it to you virtually sarah i think it makes sense for you to do this uh, if it goes down well we'll turn it into a regular feature each day um, so over to you with the major headlines and announcements for listeners to be aware of going into cop 26 um, just as I was saying that, I thought we don't have a fancy jingle, so I'll just make one up on the spot here for you. The COP26 action tracker. tracker, tracker. Thanks, Luke. Very professional. Um, so for this one, I think I'll just lead on a series of numbers to be aware of. First number, 440,000. That's the number of jobs that the UK government is promising that its net zero strategy will support. This is one of the major policy packages that we've been waiting on ahead of COP26, but a lot of green groups have said that it is too little too late in that it doesn't feature time-bound numerical sector-specific decarbonisation targets. If you search net zero strategy on ED, you can see our full coverage. On to our next number, 20,000. The number of people that are being allowed to access COP26 bypassing all usual testing and quarantine requirements this is a number that has really angered a lot of groups from the Global South and from the UK's travel red list who are really trying to get to COP26 with all their might at this point. Another number, 2023. The year by which the $100 billion of international climate finance for developing nations from the OECD is likely to be realised should a new roadmap, which came out this week, be delivered. The roadmap is orchestrated by the German, Canadian and UK governments. Last number for today, 2050, the date by which Australia is targeting net zero. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has, say, has said this week that the country will legislate for this target, stating that by 2050 annual emissions will be down 80% and the residual 20% has been offset. There's little detail at this stage about how the reductions are going to be achieved. Many of Morrison's political opponents are saying that he can't rely on technology breakthroughs which may or may not materialise. The COP26 action tracker. tracker, tracker. Okay, uh, thank you for that, uh, Sarah. Uh, the drilling stopped for all of about a minute there while you were giving those headlines. Um, and the COP26 action tracker is available at ed.net forward slash COP26. Right, okay, so we've heard the headlines, we've talked successes and failures. Um, Aside from all that, is there anything you guys are just really looking forward to while we're up in Glasgow, things you want to see, do, people you want to speak to? Um, Matt, knowing you, I'm I'm sure you're going to now hit us with a a list of some obscure references or things or bar, some sort of dark, seedy nightclub that you found somewhere. I mean, funny you say that, actually. Glasgow does actually have the world's largest nightclub, so not saying we should go, (laughs) but... um, The world's uh, largest nightclub. Uh, is it the world or is it Europe's largest? Or is um, it Glasgow's not largest nightclub? No, obviously <laughs> Glasgow is home to Glasgow's largest nightclub. That's just how it works. Um, oh no, sorry, it's the largest nightclub in Scotland. So actually, I don't uh, really know. That's less interesting, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it does have that. Um, I can't pronounce the street. It's on Saturday Hall Street. But if you're if you're interested, but other than that, I don't really know much about Glasgow. I am looking forward just to kind of look. As we, I've said this to you a few times. It feels like first few days. It's like being on a very busy holiday. You drop your bags off and you just go and find out where everything is, essentially. But rather than looking for kind of supermarkets that sell weird cereals, you're trying to find where all the pavilions are, where stuff goes on. So I think in that sense. 
I'm just looking forward to getting out there, exploring the city, and, and seeing how it's going to kind of really um, accommodate this huge like climate buzz, and not just the formal negotiations, but side events, protests, just the whole city was going to be captured by this kind of green conversation, which would be unlike anything um, I've ever experienced before. And as for you know who I want to meet, uh, you know, um, Obama's not responding to my uh, to my you know DMs. Or anything, but other than that, uh, he follows us. He follows Edie. Yeah, yeah, how do you think I'm going to slide into his DM? <laughs> yeah. not, not from the official Edie account. That'd be very unprofessional. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think I'm just looking forward to seeing you know our our loyal legion of followers in that sense. You know, the familiar fame uh, names and faces we see at our normal events, and just to see how you know they're approaching COP as well. Mm. Um, tell you one thing, I'm not looking forward to is the bins. I don't know if you guys have followed this story I about. I've been following this story yes. that um, essentially refuse workers across Scotland are going on strike, um, asking for yeah better pay and workplace safety um, mm. as is their right, um, but essentially to put more of a stint in it, they're doing it during COP26 and it includes Glasgow. Well, down in Brighton as well. I was in Brighton last week, not too far from our offices here, and. Um, They've had a massive problem with bins, literally mm, pouring yeah. out onto the street. Like the city stinks. It's almost as if all these new houses are being built and no one's actually planning for what's mm. going to happen around the infrastructure. There. <laughs> I don't see how that's happening. It's another strike as well, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, I'm sure Rubbish Corner will come back as a segment on this podcast in time to come. Um, was that it, Matt? Anything else you're looking forward to? We covered everything there. I think that's that, that's that's it. Yeah. Sarah? He's looking forward to coming back home, so he doesn't have to live with me <laughs> for any additional days. I feel there. like you were going to say that about me, and then reworded it so it didn't sound as harsh. There. No, I, I like to play like I'm nice and friendly, but I'll be screaming into the void every night, and you'll be you'll be bored sick of me. Um, yeah, you asked what I'm looking forward to. Um, you mentioned how essentially you're both working for ED um, when the Paris Agreement was ratified, and I was not. Mm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting properly stuck into my first COP26 as a reporter. Um, in this space, obviously, been reporting on previous COPs remotely, but just that atmosphere, that in-person nature, um, what it means for the UK economy, just really looking forward to seeing that play out. And you guys mentioned it'd be nice to catch up with familiar faces, but I'm also just looking forward to meet new people that we wouldn't normally um, meet before, and I can come back onto this later, but there's going to be people coming from globally, from outside of the sustainability profession, whether that be CEOs or whether that be activists or investors. Um, so meeting new faces is what I'm looking forward to. Um, and something else you mentioned, Luke, is that we are getting the climate train to COP26. So mm. this is a special service being put on by Eurostar and other train providers. Um, there'll be more on this in the next episode, which will be probably edited on that train. Mm. Um, but just really looking forward to um, to taking part in, in that and um, yeah, meeting some new faces on, on that journey as well. Mm. If you want to meet new faces, Glasgow has the busiest bridge in Europe, so you'll meet plenty of people. Granted, they're all in cars, but... I'm no, so you're telling me that I should skip all the events that we planned and stand on the bridge waving at people? I mean, Vox Pops is a valuable journalistic tool. Yeah, so Matt will be taking people on Glasgow history tours, I'm sure. Uh, sometimes they, they must have some of those old, like, uh, uh, haunted tours. You do the night tours, so you go and see all the spooky spots. <laughs> that is, that. That's definitely you all over that kind of The ghost of Halloween that past weekend, isn't it? It yeah, is. It's Halloween, yeah, true. God, I wonder, yeah.
you scary sustainability done, story that we'll be doing. I'm sure. Yeah, you should have done cop treats versus cop tricks, shouldn't you? Instead of good cop, bad cop. Mm, mm, that's a nice, good opportunity, and especially when I've got the celebrations sitting here. Um, yeah, I kind of would concur with. Uh, not, not that anyone's asked me, but in terms of what I'm looking for, looking forward to, um, I think one thing is just yeah the general buzz of it i know a lot's been said obviously with regards to covid and the general safety of this number amount of people coming but i think generally uh, hoping that all of that is kind of fully considered it does sound by the way like they're very very on top of it we've had to fill out a lot of forms and um, we're going to be taking a lot of uh natural flow tests at least uh, across the two weeks um but anyway, I guess aside from that, just coming back and being around the buzz of people in these kind of arenas and, you know, there's everything from the youth climate um, activism and um, discussions that will be happening on the fringes to perhaps more centrally the business conversations and the sustainability and net zero leaders that hopefully will be able to be a, get out and about and, and meet and see again and speak to. I think this feels like a bit of a wake up moment for the green economy i know that we've had the net zero strategy and a lot of commitments made in the downtime of cop if you like but for me you can't quite beat kind of getting people together and having these kind of conversations in person it's quite palpable the energy that comes away from it and uh, if this cop is very much about the how then those discussions do need to be had in person in my opinion so generally very speaking looking forward to to that um specifically and maybe to lighten the tone i'm very much looking forward to seeing the cop 26 mascot bonnie the seal don't know if you guys have seen bonnie the seal but it is quite funny side story here um it's been branded the king of the glasgow rats apparently already um by westminster officials because he's um his costume his or her costume don't know who's underneath that uh, is looking more like a rat than a seal which I suppose is quite fitting with all the piles of rubbish that we'll probably inevitably be seeing so do check out the Bonnie the Seal seal to look like a rat it doesn't I mean look here it is you can see us on on my laptop screen I think that looks more like a seal there's nothing like a rat no exactly it's kind of like a ghost and yeah let's not mention the website that I'm viewing this article (laughs) on but anyway nice red top for you Um, but just yeah some funny photos of Bonnie the Seal for anyone who wants to check that out so looking forward to that Otherwise, uh, I think that probably brings us towards the final part of the show. Right, so the next thing I was going to ask actually was, in terms of being up there, Matt and Sari both had a heavy hand in developing our content schedule for the two weeks. You guys are going to be up there for the first week with me and and I'll be staying on for the second week in a lovely... um, Premier Inn, other hotel chains are available, local to very local to the to the summit itself. Um, we've got a content schedule that's rolling for the two weeks. Anything standing out on it for you, Matt? Any particular sessions, talks, people appearing anywhere that you think are going to be really key um, and that you want to kind of make our readers, listeners aware of? I think there's a yeah, there's a few. I mean, obviously, I mean, we we touched on finance already and how critical that's going to be. And um, the uh, the Wednesday the third is uh, the, the finance day in terms of the presidency program. And uh, Mark Carney is is speaking at the presidency pavilion that morning. Um, he's obviously been the uh, special kind of climate finance envoy for the UK government and the COP26 unit, um, and is just a, a massively respected figure, I think, in both finance and climate. Uh, for the work he's done to kind of bridge those two. Um, I, and I, I think that um, that day in particular is, is going to kind of give us a big indication of how these conversations and negotiations 
go. Um, so I think as a particular um, session that I'm interested in covering, that's certainly the one. Um, when we spoke in the last session about what we're personally looking forward to, I'm kind of excited about being at this kind of live event and having mm. to, as a journalist, then quickly turn around the piece or speak to the right people. You know, I've had to do that virtually for the last two years. So I've been like, you'd listen, you know, any other time I'd listen to that session in my kitchen, mm. put the kettle on and then transcribe it. But now it's like fine and quite calm. I've, I've, I've almost missed that aspect of it. Yeah. So to be able to do that is quite fun. Um, so yeah, finance um, and that particular session with Mark Carney, but um, I think broadly as well on the, uh, the Saturday, uh, it being nature. Um, Saturday the 6th. Yeah, Saturday yeah. the 6th being nature. I, I think we're expecting some key kind of announcements around deforestation commitments as well mm. um, I think just because of how important nature and biodiversity has been to these discussions you know COP15 the biodiversity COP I should reiterate is kind of halfway done they've done their kind of preliminary talks and they're wrapping up early next year as well so that's a good way to bridge that as well mm. Sarah um, yeah, I guess I'd reiterate a lot of what Matt said. As you've mentioned, we are only there for the first week, so we've got lots to cram in, and our highlights are probably going to come from that um, first week because it will be back to the world of Teams and Zoom um, mm-hmm. for week two. Um, Matt's already mentioned finance and nature, um, but I'm particularly looking forward to this event that's about women, um, so gender equality and the energy transition. So on the Thursday, the 4th of November, the UK unit is putting on an event called Powerful Women, um, looking about women in the energy sector and how that is necessary for the energy um, transition. So something I'm personally passionate um, about and looking to looking forward to. Um, and also, I think something that's important as well is not to get sucked into just um, to just these big official sponsored events all the time. Yes, it's important, but no, it doesn't give um, the whole picture. As we've seen with the recent TED climate event, they tried to act like Shell was the whole picture when it mm. comes to the energy transition, and that did not go down well. Um, so essentially, as well as the blue and green zones, the official summit... Um, events taking place on the fringes are being called the pink zone so this is venues in the city outside of that so to connect with as many of these events as possible um, including building those connections with activist groups I think is necessary as we focus on the um, just transition so it's been great to connect over the past year or so um, with groups like Share Action um, and As You Sow and Arctic Angels. Mm. Um, so to continue that and build some more contacts, I think, will be something that I'm especially looking forward to. Mm. Um, and Luke, I know that you said that no one asked you last time what you're looking <laughs> forward to, so I guess I should pose a question for you mm. um, n- now. And do you maybe have something from week two when you'll be holding down the fort? True, actually. I need to scroll down and look at week two as you say that. And thank you for making this segue into my comments a bit easier um yeah you mentioned the uh, the different zones first of all and uh this is perhaps a general point there's just so much going on i've never seen i've never received so many invitations from individuals corporates financiers huge industry groups ngos asking us if we want to stop by either at a stand or on a ferry or in a restaurant or in a, a pub. hydrogen train hydrogen train yeah so yeah incredible I think there's just uh, you know I'm hoping that each of those zones come with a coloured wristband or something and I come back looking like a sort of student on my gap yard um, <laughs> but uh, 
really what I'm looking forward to. A couple of things. I think Friday the 5th might be quite a nice day. We'll hopefully by that point all be quite used and familiar to with all the areas of COP. I think it might be quite nice. Hopefully things will come together quite well. It's obviously Youth and Public Empowerment Day. There's a major Sky event going on to do with sports. Yeah, there's a personal interest there. Um, big Youth and Public Empowerment event going on that morning, I believe. And and again in the afternoon with Alok Sharma, I think due to speak at five thirty on the Friday. On so partner as well, isn't it? It's yeah, I suppose yeah. yeah. Remember, remember. So there'll be hopefully it'll be a, a day of fireworks for the industry. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that one. That was very cheesy, nice wasn't done. it? Thank nice you. Done. Thank you. Second week, Sarah, you mentioned this is where for my plan being open with with listeners is is a bit more fleeting because I focused at the moment on the first week. Um, there's a lot going on. I mean. There's the hydrogen-powered train, Jay, obviously, you mentioned, Sarah, not that I'm just looking forward to that, but Transport Day, obviously, is huge, given the, the you know, the level of emissions, I think it's a quarter of the world's emissions attributed to transport, like, so much still needs to be done in that sector, um, so interested to hear, actually, tangibly what comes out of that, that obviously has a big relevance for our audience of, our core audience of sustainability and energy leaders as well. There's a big headline event on the 9th. Um, this is Gender and Science and Innovation Day. I think there's two parts to it. Um, but there's a headline event taking place and a nice discussion about the IPCC report, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And then I'm also really looking forward to the, t- the 12th because that will be the last day and we can all rest for a moment before we then go away and develop uh, our reports and post-event coverage. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to. Going to be knackered, probably going to be working some very late hours, including weekends. Um, But I think in quite a fun way, it should all come together quite nicely. So... I think that about wraps up this first episode. Sorry we haven't spoken to anyone external at this point, and as I say, trust me on this one, this is quite a different episode for the rest of this series. So hopefully by Saturday uh, we'll have the first official episode um, live from the climate train that we'll be getting up um, to Glasgow. Before we go, um, I thought quite a nice idea of of ending this episode. We'll see how well this goes down, because it could be a, a way of ending all of our episodes. A listener quiz. We haven't done one of these probably since the last time I was on our Sustainable Business Cover podcast back in 20-something. Sarah, you had a quiz question for our audience, and if they reply or send us in their answer, I'll give you the email address in a moment. Correctly, um, we're going to give the first respondent... Uh, potentially a prize or we might amalgamate and if we I'm thinking I should have thought about this beforehand okay my thoughts are if we get loyal subscribers to this what we'll say is if you respond to each of our quiz questions throughout this podcast series does this make sense Matt? Yeah. Yeah. So if they if they, they respond to each one correctly by the end of the series we'll give that person uh, a, a special prize uh, and I'll give you a heads up it probably involves champagne because I've got a lot of it in the cupboard because I'm uh, a pretty big deal in case you didn't know Um, Sarah anyway quiz question what is it Uh, thank you quiz master Luke Um, today's question is um, the largest climate protest to date took place during COP25 in Madrid but how many people attended those protests okay well answers on a postcard slash email um how many people attended that protest? Um, send us that number, um, and if you send it to podcast at fav, so podcast single word at fav f a v hyphen house dot com, 
and we'll keep an eye out for those answers as they come in and as I say anyone who answers all of our quiz questions throughout this series correctly will win uh, a special prize. So uh, that's all we've got time for for this episode of COP26 Covered. Uh, for this first episode, I think it's gone uh, rather well. Uh, I can only apologise for the hammering and the drilling you may have heard whilst our new offices are being built and finalised around us. Uh, I promise you the audio quality will be much better once we're up, up and running at Glasgow on, on Saturday. And that will in fact be our second episode of the show because Sarah, Matt and I will be boarding the climate train up to COP26 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'll be chatting with some fellow COP attendees en route, including some representatives from the Youth for Sustainable Travel campaign group, which should be a really interesting chat with them. Now, if you are attending COP, you'd like to meet the ED team, maybe you have some events or content recommendations, or you'd like to contribute to a podcast episode in some way, or you're one of Matt's superfans, um, then please do get in touch. You can email us at podcast at fav-house.com or drop one of us a note on LinkedIn and we'll do our best to get back to you. The last thing I'll say before this funky music kicks back in uh, is to make sure that you are subscribed to this COP26 covered podcast. We'll be publishing a new episode every day throughout COP26, capturing all of the big announcements and bringing you a range of exclusive interviews from the various zones of COP. You can subscribe to COP26 covered wherever you get your podcasts. And for full information and audio links, visit ed.net forward slash podcasts forward slash COP26. Okay, uh, that's it from us today. We'll be back on Saturday when it's all aboard the climate train up to Glasgow. Goodbye. Goodbye.